0: The Athletic
1: That's it then It's uh, full time here at Crystal Palace Palace 1, Watford nil, and Watford have been relegated it's, the right has been on the wall for, for absolutely ages it's uh, no surprise to anyone that it's come to this hugely disappointing and really it was a, a performance that summed up the season but that's it, Watford are officially a championship football club the end of the season can't come quick enough precious little to enjoy today, precious little to enjoy and the season of the whole we'll dust ourselves down we'll go again we'll go again come on you
2: We're outside Yihar Nohar, which is this very nice Polish place. There was definitely Nohar Yihar. That's for certain. <laughs> there was was a, there? Yeah, there was certainly no Hehar. Anyway, uh, we lost one 0 Mike, uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a sort of non-event of a
1: game, yeah. really, wasn't it? If you look up on Dictionary.com, going through the motions, you will see either the full 90 minutes or at least a, uh, a description of that game. A complete non-entity of a, of a performance, really, from both sides. I thought. Um, sort of vaguely sunny afternoon here in, in in South London. Neither team really had much right, anything riding on it, really, and that's that's exactly how it it, it panned out. What's disappointing, really, without if you don't want to let Watford off the hook, is that you know there was a decent boisterous away following from Watford. We all knew we were going to get relegated today. We all knew that R was going to be finally inked against our name this afternoon. But we sort of still turned up in the vague hope that we'd get. Uh, I don't know, just sort of the full stop on our season would be something that we could get behind and give us a bit of cheer. But unfortunately, it was the same insipid nonsense, really, that we've seen for for the most part of the the season. There was no real endeavour to to send us home happy. They they were on the beach. They've given up.
2: Uh, The thing that I haven't been for a a couple of weeks, I've missed the... The home games against Burnley and Leeds and, uh, and didn't go to the City. But the, the real takeaway for me today, which was indicative, I suspect, of, of, of the whole team. Well, that's a bit unfair to tar them all with the same brush because yeah, yeah. there were some sort of committed performances in there. But the person that, that I felt has just sort of faded away to a shadow of his former self was Ismail Assal. And I know that he he's created quite a lot of ire and anger amongst Watford fans because of his his seeming sort of attitude on the pitch mm-hmm. there seems to be a kind of laissez-faire and, and you know I was it, it was marked that you know Palace didn't even really bother to mark him they weren't every time he got the ball you know in the past we've seen two, three players running over to make sure that he doesn't do something and now they're like he's fine with it just yeah. let him have it and then the left back wanders over and sort of takes it off him and passes yes. it and it, it, it's just I don't really understand how what's happened there, and it, and it did slightly pass through the team. There were other performances a bit similar, as you say, slightly insipid, not really committed, and uh, as a result, you know, even Palace, obviously, they felt a bit the same. They couldn't even bother to score a second yeah, goal. They yeah. we won it with this pen," which wasn't a pen, I don't right. think. And uh, yeah, anyway, what's I, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think I think sorry is kind of the poster boy for Watford's malaise, really, isn't he? he sort of yeah. sums it up quite quite nicely. He's definitely got it got it in him. But it's just not happening for for whatever reason. There was a, quite a um, vociferous um, negative reaction when he came over. He was one of the last Watford players come, to come over to applaud the away fans. He chucked his, his shirt into the crowd, but it, there were more boos and there were claps. And I think that's you know it's it's unfair to single him out. It's a it's a team effort to have a season as bad as as bad as this one. Um, but yeah, I thought he. He summed it up nicely. I think the penalty, what, what's he supposed to do? He jumps for it, misses it. It's facing the other way and the ball gets headed against his hand. I guess the argument is his hand's in an unnatural position. What's he supposed to do? It, it, it's, it went to VAR. They checked it. They're obviously happy with it. And I think the other vaguely contentious um, issue was Hassan Kamara getting his second yellow. It didn't really feel like uh, a, a second yellow to me. Uh, Elise went off steaming to the referee demanding a yellow which he subsequently got and, and really if there was any lingering doubts that Watford were going to get anything from it they were, they were extinguished uh, weren't they when, when Watford went down, to, went down to 10. It's just it, it's the story of the season. It was just sort of, they turned up they weren't embarrassed but they didn't offer anything they didn't really ask any questions of the opposition. Just lame.
2: I guess, really. Yeah, Johnny, uh, I'm just going to throw it back to you now, John, for, for the rest of the podcast, just to say that really, Watford FC have gone down with a whimper.
3: From the Rookery End, a podcast about life
0: following Watford FC. So here we go then, lads. Watford, not quite got the patch on the side of the arm yet, but Watford are a championship side in the 2022-2023 season. And on, we want to, you know, spend the rest of this podcast, we want to see... What were those steps that Watford took to get us to relegation? Now, let's be clear. This is not about assigning blame. People make decisions. Some of those are good, some of those are bad. They make decisions for reasons. And those reasons are probably things that we do not know enough about. For this reason, that reason, another reason, they made this choice. But we want to go through the ones that, that we think were the biggest steps that, that caused us the most issue for Watford and the issues in terms of Watford fans.
1: The path to despair. The path to despair.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so Mike's here. Jason's here is, also, is here also. Hello there. And we'll let, let's go through this. What were the 10 steps that got us to relegation? These are not in order, but some may be more important than others. And I think at the end, boys, I'll get you to pick which one you think was the most damning Step of them all.
1: I love the way you frame it, John. You're, you're ever optimistic, and you don't even realise you're doing. We took the ten steps as if they were the, these were the sort of it was a journey we were going on, and we mapped it out, and, it's, <laughs> and we've arrived at our ultimate destination. It's almost as if it's it, we planned it. I love the way it's been framed as our ten steps. They're the ten. I guess they're the ten reasons we're going down in our view, aren't they?
0: They are. There's a new TV show with Ross. Um, what's his name? Kemp. And it's a quiz show and you have to make your way across a board and take steps because questions come in front of you and then you've got (laughs) options. It's like when I was literally in it like when I've come in from work a couple of nights and you have to sort of get your way across. And that's what it feels like. Any season you will get from one side to the other on a little journey from one place to another and you have to take steps. And some of those steps are good and some of those steps are bad. But they are the bad steps these are that got us relegated. The first one for me is the expectation of fans. It was the step that we all took on that first day at Vicarage Road in the sunshine where we beat Aston Villa. Now, I think this comes on so many levels. I think, firstly, that game. That great game. That 90 seconds after Kucho Hernandez came on. It was magical. It was all coming together all of a sudden in that first, first game. Even though there were some signs in there with those two goals at Aston Villa for, for what might come ahead. But I think the, the biggest reason it was a bad step was because well, we had a season of not being there. We had a season yeah. of missing out on things. We therefore went in with such a high desire and even higher desire than we normally do at the beginning of the season to see something good. And when it didn't happen, I think that's where the fans and you yeah, know the reaction from the fans has been so much different from any other bad spell I've ever seen under Watford. I know several of those bad spells, there were no social medias, but I really feel that the the expectations because of missing out because of you know not, not missing out the football but also being cooped up for so long at home and the fact that we had such a great first game that's that was a, for me by again no fault of course the fans' expectations is the first step of, of on our trip to the
1: championship. I think there's another dynamic to it as well, John, and that's that the players or certainly the the promotion winning players were used to playing without a crowd, and this is. Potentially going to sound quite quite controversial, but I have a sneaky suspicion that last season Watford probably wouldn't have gone up.
0: Yeah, You have said it before in the group, yeah?
1: Yeah. If there was if there was a, a crowd in the in the in the ground, and let let me caveat that. Let me explain why going to those games last season was an absolute privilege. I was one of the very very few people able to see football, and I shall never ever take that for granted. It was a unique opportunity and one that I'm, I'm I'll be forever grateful for. But that said the football that Watford played was far from free-flowing. It wasn't exactly entertaining. It was it was very workmanlike, if you like, for the most part. And it was occasionally a little glimpse of, of magic from, I don't know, Pedro at, at Derby or Ismail Asar at home to Reading, I think it was, um, that, that, that was the difference. But the performances were far from fluid. And I do remember when... I think, was it Rotherham? One of the games that, that um, we had fans back for briefly round about the, the Christmas period. And I think Watford went 2-0 up very quickly. And then that was kind of it because that's what they've been doing. They've been grinding these results out. And the crowd got very antsy very quickly. There was sort of murmurs of discontent despite their being ahead, despite them doing well in the league and despite it being the first glimpse of football for a long time. And this is by no means a criticism of, 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 of supporters. But I think last season, it, looking back on it, it's, it's, slightly it's easy to be slightly revisionist and we see it as a successful season. In terms of the entertainment level, I think it was actually pretty minimal. I think Mike Walters alluded to that in his brilliant piece where he, he summed up what's gone wrong this season. The players were able to play with a, with a bit of freedom. They were able just to get the job done without feeling like they were under the pressure of you know 20,000 people. In the ground, so I think them coming back, you know, into into full stadiums, both home and away, coupled with, like you said, John, uh, us as a as a supporter base, absolutely desperate to see our beloved team in action again and to be mixing with our with our fellow supporters, just to get football back. I think the dynamic it was a perhaps potentially quite a, a tricky one, and then of course once you get into bad form and once you get into the the, the extraordinarily bad run that we've got onto, that it weighs even heavier, doesn't it? I think yeah. the thought of going out and letting down the supporters, I don't think for any moment that players would choose not to have supporters there. I think the weight of... I think they feel a responsibility. And when you're playing badly, you feel bad about it. I think they do feel bad for us as, as supporters. And I think that as that's gone on this season it's just sort of exacerbated and, and, and got worse and worse and worse as the season's gone on, ultimately resulting in relegation and that extraordinary run of 11 straight defeats, which, you know, I said extraordinary. I, don't, I can't think of any other... Well, I can think of other words for it. <laughs> this is a family podcast and we don't want that explicit tag to be uh, uh, flagged up on uh, when this goes live. But, um, so it's a really interesting one and it's absolutely no criticism of, 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 of supporters no. at all. I just think the dynamic... With, with everything that happened, is is an interesting one and, and perhaps something worth worth considering as one of the contributing factors to, to what's been a, a really, really difficult season.
0: Jason, the next step is the lack of defensive recruitment in the summer. Now, we've been talking about defensive recruitment forever on this podcast, and last season they did bring in two centre-backs, which did a good job, and we were probably one of the best defences in the entire ninety two, at least we definitely were in the championship. But we start the season, of course the first game was Trustacon and Christian Cabacelli. What do you did you did you feel at that time, Jason, that the defence, particularly centre backs, wasn't going to be good enough for this Premier League season?
3: Yeah, there was a concern, wasn't there, in uh, in the summer when we didn't sign any centre backs like the summers before we earned <laughs> other transfer windows where we've not bolstered as much as we would have liked in terms of the defence. Yes, we were great last season, but of course we have to caveat that with the fact that we've gone from playing the likes of Rotherham and and Wickham to the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, who we know like to score goals past us for fun. We obviously strengthened in other areas yet struggled to at centre-back. And I'm sure it's not for the want of trying. And, and the reason I say that is is the Inkulu signing. So...
0: Yeah, because the corrections were there. They, they seemed to want to correct the, the at least later.
3: Exactly later, which almost smacked of desperation, the Inkulu signing. He looked good for the brief period that that we've seen him play. And then, of course, he got injured really quickly, which is surprising for an ageing centre-back who no one else <laughs> seemed to want, hadn't played a lot of football for a long time. You, I mean, you could see it coming. And that's the gamble we were taking. The fact that we weren't able to get what we wanted and how much were we limiting ourselves as well were we limiting ourselves to the type of players that we wanted financially were we not taking the gamble as much as 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 we could have done should have done wanted to do to get the right defenders in
1: could we really not have got some samir and kamara in the summer Um, do we really believe that if we're being brutally honest? Cause...
3: Yeah, another another question. So, But again, if we'd have had them in the summer, would that have made a, a difference as well? I, I, for me, it's not just about when we talk about the, the centre-backs, the, the recruitment, the knock-on effect of, of not getting the right players in, then getting a, um, a half-fit and cooler in. has meant we've sort of chopped and changed, and there's been other factors as well where we sort of chopped and changed those sense back pairings, and we've we've never really had a settled partnership for for more than probably a couple of months. We we've had to change it or decided to change it at some point because we didn't get it right at the start. Again, it's the same same chickens coming home to roost, isn't it? If that's yeah. a if that's a, if that's a valid saying, um, the same things like you say, John, that we've been talking about before.
1: We have to be really honest as well and say that it it, it was it felt clear in the championship didn't it really how many times did I come steaming into the WhatsApp group saying if William Tru stickong misplaces another pass I'm going to stick my head in the microwave um, and I didn't didn't have a microwave and I went out and bought one especially <laughs> well I think I think yeah
3: you're right Mike and I think what one of the other things we were saying as well as the microwave line was if Trusti Kong does that in the Premier League we'll get found yeah. out and hey presto
1: it's, we could see it coming, and also there was issues. I think with with Dan Backman in goal that we saw we saw last year, and I think we we have to be honest. We have to be really, really honest. We're, and I think if we're looking for reasons for why things have gone wrong, there's no there's no point dancing around it or, or soft soaping it. And I'm not suggesting that's what we're doing by not addressing what was a clear issue. We shot ourselves in the foot massively. It's been an issue all all season long. Keeping clean sheets has meant has been a virtual impossibility imposs- from the start to the finish, which has meant we just haven't been competitive in in virtually every single game. We could all see it. Our fellow supporters could see it. Kieran, God bless him, in 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 our WhatsApp group has been saying it on repeat for what feels like about twenty five years. We could all see it. It was it's playing out in front of us. We need to be better and stronger defensively you know Jason you mentioned it we're going from playing Rotherham to Manchester City from from Wickham to playing Liverpool you can't expect to 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 make that change without making changes in in personnel in one of the key areas and and we really really fluffed it we really fluffed it I think in 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 that respect.
0: Step number three the interruption of AFCON now, to be very clear, this is nothing to do with the fact that Afcon happened uh, and demeaning it, uh, as lots of people talked about in the in the press and in, in the media or over the, that time, like it's interrupting the Premier League. But it, it it caused us more than just a few issues, didn't it, Mike? You know, loser was away, Messina was away, Troost was away losing you know, was a particularly you know important player. He was becoming an important player, and all of a sudden we sort of lost him, and we lost momentum with him. But of course, the most important, or most talked about, problems that came with Afcon was the uh, Dennis. Was he going to go? Was he going to stay? Where was Emmanuel's head? And also the fact that Ishmael Assar went as an injured player, uh, and he was uh, he he happened to get some games, and he happened to win it. But that was the the massive surprise. Do you think that that step? just came at the wrong time.
1: I think I think the whole thing was, was unhelpful in terms of Watford's season. We were just trying to get things back on track. We were trying to kick start the season somehow and say get back on track. It never was on track. We were trying to find that that ignition just to get things going, and it looked like Emmanuel Dennis was going to be central to that. He he started off like a train, and up until uh, Afcon kicked in, he was he was pretty. His form was pretty consistent, as you mentioned. John Loser was um, was really really starting to hit his stride from that from that day where we saw him away at, at Brighton. We went to the second game of the season. John, didn't we? we? We felt a little bit sorry for him. He got he got hooked at halftime and, and looked out of his depth. But by the time Afcon came around, he was starting to look like a much much better player from a point of view of a club trying to develop a team that was able to, to perform on a regular basis for all those things that you mentioned to be thrown into the mix was just another unwelcome issue. That The whole Ismail Assar thing, should he have gone, should he have not? Ultimately, it might have worked in our favour because he, he he's happy with, with Senegal and he, and he got a bit of game time under his belt, which perhaps he wouldn't have done at Watford. But I, I think the big one is, is, is Emmanuel Dennis, really, because... So something obviously happened and, and, the, and the official line is that he decided he didn't want to go. Whether he was helped along in that decision by, I don't know, a new contract or some sort of bonus or or whatever, he didn't go. But as a direct result, or not as a direct result, there's a correlation between him not going to AFCON and him not playing particularly well. You know, things aren't binary or linear in football or sport. We know that you can't necessarily draw a straight line between the two situations and occurrences but it did feel like well before all this Ferrari you were doing really really well you were absolutely on fire after it not so much so yeah another unwelcome distraction and another uh, element another aspect another thing that stopped this team from from ever really gelling igniting and getting going. So the
0: timing of our steps, of course, are also important. But the other one, Jason, the timing of a 68th-minute tackle by Donny van der Beek uh, on Ismail Assar, which which kept him out for 84 days, Uh, 10 Premier League games he missed out. He did play a couple in Africa, of course. Was that, for you, Jason, a step that, if it hadn't happened, things could have been a little bit different or a lot different even?
3: Mm, yeah, tricky one. That it, it, obviously, as you say, the tackle happened in the uh, in the Man United game, and we'll never win at home ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he missed a big chunk of that difficult run, that run that we were talking about, where we played well, didn't we? Bully to the little boys. Would he have made a difference in in some of those games? Mm, possibly not.
0: Well that's another that's actually the next step. The next step is that run of hell in November and December. Arsenal away, Man United at home which we won, Leicester away, Chelsea at home, Manchester City at home. You know, we talked about it with Kelly Mike at the beginning of the season. It was just looming in front of us. He missed those games, Jason. Mm. Do you really think he could he could do anything? I mean that is that is four that's three games he missed against those big sides. And then of course, he missed a load of other games. But do you think maybe he could have had? A, do you really think he could have made an impact in those games?
3: Uh, I'm not sure he would have made a difference where it was needed. You look at the Leicester game; it was a bit of a crazy goal fest, wasn't it? In the in the snow, we were fight, we were scoring goals. It was it was keeping them out was a problem. That was defensive errors that I'm sure we'll talk about as well. The Chelsea game. <sighs> We did do well in that one, and and Tuchel said at the time he thought they were very lucky they didn't deserve the win. Again, not sure how much extra quality he would have he would have given us there. Man City is Man City. We never beat Man City. Uh, that he certainly wouldn't have made a difference there for me.
0: But what about not? But but what about the football? What about do you think he could have added to our uh, as fans and everyone's sort of perception of Watford? Just those dangerous moments he can have. Do you think the you know, that would have had a a different effect on the teams that we play, knowing that he's playing, not necessarily that he's going to score goals. Would he have freed up Dennis to do Dennis a bit more?
3: Could, yeah, could well have done. You mentioned Dennis. I always think about when QPR won the championship and they had Adele Terupt and everyone sort of raved about him and everyone was worried about him. And they also had Wayne Routledge and everyone seemed to leave him alone and Routledge had a great season and did loads of things for QPR and you kind of think yeah if you've got a couple of players like that it does make teams worry about should they be paying more attention to one or the other or do they put lots of attention on those two players and it creates gaps elsewhere maybe maybe that could have happened Um, and maybe in other games that he was missing during that period it could have made it could have made a difference Um,
1: I wonder whether the whether the the injury had a had a psychological impact on him as, as well, because, of course, the, Ismail Asar is, one would assume, planning his career trajectory, which is onward and upward from from Watford, which is no no disrespect to, to us as a, as a side. We all knew that the plan for Ismail Asar was for us to sign him for a lot of money, him to do really well for us, and then to move on for more money to, to something bigger. And I think I, I do wonder whether, you know, having got relegated, which obviously wasn't part of the, the roadmap to success, then struggling again this season, and and then getting injured, whether that's had an impact on on him overall, um, in terms of his his performances, not just what he missed, John, which and I, I know is what you're talking about, but but perhaps his his ability to, to to add something to the team since as well, because he hasn't felt like he's been. Firing on all, all, all cylinders, has he? And we, I think we saw it with Nate Chalabar as well, didn't we? He he got injured, got forced his way back, and then got injured again, and wasn't quite the same again. And I do wonder about the the psychological impact. Roberto Pereira for a yeah. very long
0: time. He was he had yeah you know, the injuries at the back of the mind, you know that you it feels yeah. like that at least, and especially the game last week at home to Burnley, he pulled out of lots of tackles and you know we 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 quickly sort of say oh that must be because you know he's thinking about his next move he's thinking about the next move but it just might be psychological because of the injury and not wanting to further it because yes he's playing games of football but doesn't still mean he's a hundred percent you know it it might to be there he might still need to he might still be sort of recuperating
3: he needed an arm put around him as well I think on on Saturday we saw it like you say sort of not quite at the races not quite going into challenges and there was a point where he, he'd done that and i remember Moussa sissoko walking past him there's an opportunity just to grab hold of him have a word in his ear and he didn't he just sort of carried on walking and, and there was no sort of communication between the two players i just felt as a captain he could have done something now that's just one instance in one game but then you wonder what's going on on the training ground, rest of the time to sort of try and support Ishmael if he is going through a tough time, sort of psychologically, because things aren't going well for him in terms of injuries, in terms of the team as a whole. What's he going to do next for his own sort of benefit? Is he worried about that as well? Who's looking after him? And if no one's looking after him, he's still a young lad. Yeah, yeah it, it could be tough for him. Yeah.
0: So that's the fifth step so far of our 10 steps to relegation. FX is Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu.
3: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win
0: exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside
3: to learn more.
1: We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns.
0: The next step, Michael, oh, the sixth step, the players continually making simple mistakes. It's quite easy to get your finger and point it straight at William Trustacon and say, Oi, Billy, you shouldn't have made that mistake at Leicester and you shouldn't have made that mistake at Brentford. It's, it's, it was terrible. That could have been easily another six points but it wasn't just william chustekon and it wasn't just those two games was
1: it no absolutely not and i and i think there there comes a point where you have to question the quality of players if they're going to be making Mistakes on a regular basis. Don't get me wrong. When you're up against Manchester City, when you're up against Liverpool, well, most of the Premier League, in fact, they all, every team that we we face, possesses players who will provide serious, serious challenges. Certainly for for defenders, where you've got less less place to to hide when it comes to to mistakes, but. But overall, if we discuss sort of every mistake that a Watford player would made, this um, my computer could not
0: take it in terms of the disk space to record. Well, there's so I'd, many.
1: I'd be about, I'd be ninety by the by the time we finished. And the opposition force mistakes too frequent, too regular. It's it it sounds a bit a bit reductive to say it, but one thing that sticks in my mind as well is is mistakes after restarts. So there were a couple of occasions where where games were stopped for for a little bit. Tottenham springs to springs to mind, and was Chelsea another one? And yeah,
3: and Norwich Norwich as well. when We had the floodlight failure, and that's right. They came that's out right. and scored a second, didn't they? Yeah, and
1: and that and that points to, I guess, a, a mental block, a, a concentration thing. I mean, it could just be blind luck, but it it, it seems every time there was a, a significant stoppage, the the other teams seemed to either break up our momentum or, or come out and score and similarly, you know, the Tottenham game late on We it was a mistake, a late mistake after doing all that hard work, actually one of my favourite performances of the season, yeah, funny enough that, that attritional real digging in performance at home to Tottenham where we very very nearly got the, got the point but ultimately a mistake cost us away at Tottenham as well where again it was a, a semi-decent performance but a, a mistakes cost us and littered throughout the season have just been mistake after mistake after mistake and I think there's you can put that down to the quality of of opposition sometimes you can put it down to the quality of our team but I think ultimately if you're set up correctly if you're mentally strong physically strong uh, your tactics are right and your, your training's right you should be able to mitigate against that and all too often Watford have looked you know, pretty catastrophic, haven't they? In 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 terms of the the amount of mistakes they're making, far too many, far too often in far too many games.
3: I think also, and and this will come into other things that we'll talk about. I'm sure we know that mistakes have been made when players have been tired because we there are certain players that cannot last a full ninety minutes, and when we don't make the changes, and this ties into what we were saying last week. But it's not just last week that it happened. We mentioned Tottenham. At home, I think that was a a foul by Kuchka near the end, wasn't it? That set up the free kick. Um, And again, that's we know he can't last the 90s, he gets tired towards the end and then starts making mistakes. The the rugby tackle against Liverpool when we were still in the game, and it's yeah, it as well as the things you've mentioned, Mike. I think sort of that decision making, not just by the players, but by Or in terms of recruitment of players and then in terms of making substitutions at the right time from whoever the manager is, was at the time as well.
0: Step seven, the appointment of two ultimately short term managers. I did some stats boys. Uh, Cisco played seven points per game. One. If he'd kept that going for the rest of the season, we'd be on 38 points and probably be quite happy. We wouldn't be quite happy yet, but he, he would have kept us up. Claudio, 13 games. <sighs> yep, a couple of great wins, but only a 0.54 points per game. And Roy. After yesterday's loss, Roy's 15 games have got us 0.53 points per game. Jason? You know, I, I look back at that appointment of, of Claudio and you look back at Roy and, and in fact Roy had retired. What if they just got him in as a consultant to work with Cisco rather than ditching Cisco? What if they had brought in someone to support him? That would have been a slightly longer term look at it rather than going, not working, gone. Not working, gone. That we are used to with the with the, the Pozzos. At the time... And in retrospective, were they the fact that they were all 70-plus-year-old, they were both 70-plus-year-old men, that that was the completely the wrong thing to do for Watford and that team at that point of their evolution?
3: It's easy to say in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. it? It certainly feels certainly feels wrong now. And perhaps, perhaps we've been a bit naive because these guys have come in. So Claudio's come in and we've had a couple of decent... say decent good performances Everton and uh, and against Manchester United and we started saying well if we'd got Claudio in at the start of the season (laughs) we'd have had a chance then obviously that all went wrong Roy's come in all of a sudden we're looking good away from home we've picked up some decent points and we're saying well if we'd had Roy at the start of the season we'd all be fine and then those sort of honeymoon periods have have worn off quite quickly and and now we sort of realise This isn't working and again you sort of you're looking beyond the manager because the strategy hasn't worked is it because they've got the wrong type of players are we appointing the wrong type of manager these are managers that have both been relatively successful successful elsewhere roy don't think he's been relegated before has he claudio we know what he's managed to achieve he's had some bumpy runs as well and we got bumpy claudio they were gambles. They were, they were throws of the dice, which is the way we know the potsos work or they have done in the years that they've been looking after Watford. We looked at Burnley. They've thrown the dice. Look at Leeds. They've thrown the they've dice. They've
0: thrown dice or they've thrown the they've, dice?
3: Oh, very good. Oh, very I good. like it. I like it. I'm they, following this weekend, yeah, lads. They've, Thank you. They've thrown, the, they've thrown the dice and thrown <laughs> dice and... <laughs> And at the time, I, I said I said on the podcast, I, I can't believe they've done it because whilst we can't criticise as Watford fans, teams sacking their managers, who else is going to get anything out of those players? And Mike Jackson's come in and he's absolutely done it. So, you know why they've done it? The, 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 for Cisco, if we go back to, back to him, the sort of final nail for him was that performance at Leeds. It wasn't just the, the 1-0 defeat, it was the nature of the defeat as well. The irony being, I think we had a perfectly good goal chalked off, didn't we, that that probably could have stood and he'd have got a draw, but would he have still survived given the nature of the performance? No. It's hard no. to say, um, probably not.
0: Mike, do you think that they should have should, They should have gone with all these people we're talking about at the moment? Should they have gone at that point, let's sort this out, let's get someone with a bit of longevity? Because it, it, cause now I look back, it seems ridiculous. They thought, let's just get these men in because they would never have been long-term.
1: No. Never have no. been long-term. As Jason says, it's easy to look back and say, well, of course, they were all wrong. They have turned out to all be the, the wrong appointments for the reason Jason said. Cisco didn't have the, the experience and was ter- serving up dross. I've said it before, but I walked out of the Newcastle game on September the 25th, which was the, the game before Leeds, and said, this team is headed one place, and that's down, and then they didn't recover. So, Have you said that before, Mike? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> just, Ever! Was doing, wasn't doing the biz. Claudio Ranieri was evidently phoning it in from, from what we've been able to, to ascertain since. And Roy Hodgson, you know, we're still in the midst of that. And it's clear for us to say why it's, it's all gone wrong. I think in, in their defence, what I would say is that once you're in, you're in the eye of the storm... You know the games coming thick and fast. You've you've got that horror run coming up. You've got issues with 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 Afcon. You've got injuries with this. They've got January transfer windows. There's lots of things in the diary that that happen as the season goes that make decision making hard. You've got to do it on the hoof. You've got to do it quickly, and you've got to do it decisively it's easy for us to to sit and talk about it now that everything's done and dusted we're relegated it all went wrong it's easy to sit here and pick holes and say well that's obviously wrong that was wrong they shouldn't have done this they shouldn't have done that whereas at the time you're in, in effect you're struggling and when you're struggling it's not when you make your best decisions you could argue that that's how you earn your money as, as, a, as a club owner or a chief exec or a chairman, then I think there's, there's, there's absolute credence in that argument that they, they should have done better in their decision-making despite it being difficult. With hindsight, what, what they should have done is got someone in for, for the long term. But also, if either of those appointments had kept us in the division, then they would have been the right one wouldn't they? We would forgive a Ranieri or a Hodgson coming in as a firefighter, as a short-term caretaker, if you like, if it kept us in the, in the Premier Division. I don't think any supporter could put their hand on their heart and say, if it had worked, then they wouldn't have given them a pass for it. Looking back, though,
0: and, but also even at the time, I did doubt it a little bit, the fact that they went from... Yeah, basically, it was, the, it was almost the same manager choice. At least the same type of manager choice between versus Claudio and then Roy... It was they like... lurch, yeah. They oh yeah, lurch, God, though. do they? They, they try, yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they try and, but they lurch to try and to try and rectify the problem that happened with the last one. Yeah, Ranieri couldn't keep keep a clean sheet, so they bring in the u- uber pragmatist in in Roy Hodgson. Um, Shishko had no uh, experience, so they bring in Claudio Ranieri, who has got you know a, a experience coming out of it, the the wazoo. So that's the mistake. But I understand it, but I'm not the CEO, and I'm not the the owner of a football club, and uh, you know the, the decisions ultimately have to be better when the when the outcome of the season is so it's seismic. I mean, it, it remains to be seen what what relegation will mean for Watford um, in the in the coming coming years. So there's, again, talking about recruitment in terms of, uh, of defense and so on and so forth, we have to be honest and yes it's with the benefit of hindsight but they've got it they've got it completely completely wrong they, they, i think the only benefit to come out of it is that there is some clear lessons to be learnt and uh, and hopefully we'll see those lessons learnt and 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 implemented over the over the summer if not if not before
0: yeah this, I think this all these steps you know we we we're pointing them out not for for want of trying to help the club but you know we're pointing them out because like you say, that hopefully these are the steps that they'll never make the same ones again, and they'll learn from them. The the one thing they might now what was it? How did you describe the squad after the Burnley game? Was it gutless?
1: Oh, there's there was a, there's a number of, of adjectives <laughs> and, and phrases that I'd probably rattled through.
0: Yeah, uh, in the heat of the moment. But the, the eighth step, and Jason sort of talked about it with you know, no no one putting an arm around Ishmael. It was almost the failure to get the right characters into this Watford squad. Um, Completely the wrong set of personalities, or at least missing some very key personalities. Again, it's quite easy to say, well, would it have been different if Troy Deeney was around? But I suppose there were no big brothers. There were no put-arm-round-people type characters. And Cisco was, of course, you would have thought he would have been the man to do it, because that's what it felt like he achieved in the championship. They did try, I suppose... With Sissoko, that was probably their intent to get a new leader in this in this pack to go alongside Tom Cleverley, but you know Tom's not exactly a vocal sort of fellow; he leads by example. But that 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 hasn't happened.
1: If you look, if you look through the squad, if you if you read through the list, and I don't think this is with with the benefit of hindsight. I think this should have been pretty clear from from the outset. If you if you go through from one to I think it's forty seven on the on the squad list you'd really really struggle to pick out your your leaders the ones that you want leading from the front the ones that you want organizing the ones that you want talking in the dressing room the ones that you want acting as a as a go between the the head coach and the training staff and the and the squad who who's going to galvanize the squad off the field who's going to be the man that sort of leads them on the pitch who's the one that's going to make sure that the ref knows that, that that this side is serious. You know, I talked in the in the midweek pod about what John Eustace used to do, and it's one mm. of my favorite things. Just a little word in the ref's ear here and there. Just you know, make sure you see that he's done that. He's done that. Don't let him get away with it. Just because you know the name Ronaldo doesn't mean that he, he he doesn't get away. He shouldn't get away with it. Who's doing that in this in this squad? So I think there's a there's a leadership issue, and then the other the other problem, which is possibly more more terminal and chronic is that we knew we were going to be up against it. We knew that this was going to be a relegation battle. So who are the guys that are going to stand up? Well, who are the 11 who are going to get their chins up, their chests out and their shoulders back and really, really battle for this for this team, for this club? Who are the ones that are going to set the example? There are fine blokes in there. There are some some guys that are OK. But when you're up against it, week in, week out, as we knew we were going to be, because everyone knows what the Premier League looks like, it's full of talent all over the Jiggins. We knew what was going to be coming. So were we able to name 11, 14, 15 people who are going to stand shoulder to shoulder up against the barrage and really dig in and say, come on, you know, we've done it. We've done it so far. Let's keep going. Next 15, next 15. Make sure you stick with it. And, and it's not one person. It's not just a captain. It's not a, a Troy Deeney, for example, or a Musa Sissoko. It, it isn't that. They can set the standard. They can set the... The bar and the levels and the expectation. But ultimately it needs people who have got the guts and the bollocks and the gumption to dig in and want to inspire the person to their left and right. And for all the will in the world, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they're great guys. I'm sure going out for a pint with them will be, will be great fun. But what we've seen week in, week out is that they haven't got the, well, they haven't got the bottle Quite, quite frankly, to to stand up to the challenge that we knew was coming this season, and I think a bit more due diligence about how this squad will have meshed together, um, because we talk, talked about Ishmael Assar and, and Emmanuel Dennis and and you know Joshua King and and Pedro, they're all quite sort of fractious characters, aren't they? So you have to take that into consideration. How does the whole thing meld together to be strong, tough, and and competitive and that's another lesson that I think they have to learn. It's it's all well and good having individuals that, on the face of it, their stats are good and their and, and their resale value might be good and and so on and so forth. If they can't do it and they they can't inspire their colleagues to the left and right, then 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 we've got a problem. And I, and I think character and strength of character has has been sadly sadly lacking. And I think it's probably the thing that's upset us as supporters more than. More than anything, we can take losing, but it's how you lose that that matters. And I think all too often we've we've folded far too easily.
0: Uh, I think that that really comes across to me. I think in those post match interviews, you know, it, you know, there's always the thing with are lots of professional footballers these days where they are saying what they're meant to say. They're not trying to to do anything out of the ordinary either to protect the the jubilance that they have or the how bad they're really feeling. But there's no. And Troy never did that because Troy was always very well outspoken, and I wasn't expecting outspoken. But it's just the tone of some of those post-match interviews where you sort of go, "Nah, I don't." You like you say, "Oh, everything you said like that that just doesn't come through in in post-match interviews." Now, step nine and step ten, we're going to do them together. Maybe this is a leap, nine steps, no, eight steps, and a leap to the championship. One is not getting Will Hughes a new contract. The other one is actually then ending up having a slightly aged. But very experienced midfield. By the way, I'm 42 years old. I know they're not aged. <laughs> I'm just doing it for this podcast. But you get the sentiment, Jason. That that you know, Will staying in the side and still being there from one season to the next could have been the the thing that kept us together as a team, or you know, hit the ground running. If he'd stayed around for for that beginning of you know, this season, couldn't it?
3: Yeah, I think so. And if you sort of look at the dynamic of the players and compare it to what we had when we sort of came up last time around, as well as a as a whole, we we've got players in in Sissoko and kutchka in that midfield who have already done it. They've already been there. They've got nothing left to prove, really. Soko's played in a Champions League final. Kuska's played for Inter Milan, hasn't he? Um, they don't, they've don't. they got nothing to prove by coming to Watford. When we came up before, we got Kapo in. We got Barami in. Players that had that sort of Premier League experience, but probably still had something else to to prove. They hadn't sort of overachieved or achieved lots. There's still some more to, to give, I think, and not at the end of their careers, perhaps Brahmi closer than, than Kapo, but Kapo clearly had a lot more to give. So then you look at Will Hughes, and you say, yeah, Will Hughes has had a, a two or three seasons around sort of playing with, with Watford in the Premier League, then gets relegated, and you think then coming back up, he's got that experience, he's still got more to prove, from that point of view, would he then have given us more than the likes of Sisoko and Kuchka this season? Again, we're all talking in hindsight here, but you, you sort of think that yeah, perhaps he could have done. Perhaps he we would have got a, some more desire, <clears throat> some more fight out of Hughes than we would have done out of the other players.
0: Because the other thing, Mark, you know, you, know, you know, let's put Will to bed, little Will. <laughs> no, sorry, but you know, you know, he he's played like just over a dozen games or so for for Crystal Palace, and and, and you know, he hasn't really lit that place a light or, or or able to, to achieve much. And he really wanted this season to be it, and you know, we, we you know from what we know. You know, if Watford were in the position we are right now, he would have had a get-out clause of, of of very little in terms of having to to be able to another club buying him this summer, in this summer coming. I think was DCW mentioned on the on the group though, you know, imagine might him, Sissoko, and loser, and you think as that as a midfield, does that feel ten times or a hundred times better? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm not sure 10 or 100 times. I think the the whole thing about Will Hughes is that I think it was unnecessary. The whole way it happened, his departure and and the whole uncertainty around it. You mentioned that Brighton game, John, where where loser had a a shocker and Watford were were bereft in midfield. Will Hughes was still a Watford player at that stage. So for us to have manoeuvred ourselves into a situation where we've got a a really decent player that we weren't able to utilise... Is a crying shame, and and arguably an early indicator as to the as to the way that we weren't ready for the season. If, if we'd allowed that situation to manifest itself like like that, we just we just weren't ready. And I think that's that's been borne out as the as the weeks and games have have ticked past. And I like Will Hughes a lot. I think he's he's a really really good player. He's a he's a, he's a character. He's he's a link between last year and and this year. Perhaps the way he was, or certainly perceived to be treated, how much did that impact on on some of the players that were around last year? So, for me, there are a lot of questions still about the way that that Will, Will Hughes contract issue and subsequent subsequent transfer were were handled. And I don't care what anyone says. There's no way that he wanted to go to Crystal Palace. That just wasn't the move he was he's looking for. It, that no. doesn't make sense. No. And and Palace fans will 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 laugh if they hear it. Say, well, you know, you've gone down. We're staying up. Yeah, I'm not bothered. That is just not the move that he wanted. It, it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have happened. Really, and I think that the overarching issue with that. Is that it just showed we weren't ready. We we made bad decisions and, and got ourselves I, I know why we've talked about it ad nauseam at the at the start of the season. I know why we did it and I and I appreciate and accept that. We were trying to set boundaries and we may have reaped the benefit of that in other ways behind the scenes that we're we're not privy to. But but looking at the, the playing side of things, to not have Will Hughes just just feels like a, a mistake. That the midfield like the defense and like the attack hasn't clicked really at any stage this season, and and it's hard to argue that you know we've had Dad, Dan Gosling in the, in the in the squad you know and I'm sure again and a great bloke and did his did his bit last year, but he hasn't hasn't had much to to to, to do this this season. If we had Will Hughes in the squad, you'd argue that he'd be playing a much much bigger bigger part. So you we keep talking about about steps. Ultimately, they're mistakes, John and. It's our job and our, our right and our role as supporters to, to call them out at this stage. And, and for me, Will Hughes was one. Your question is is, is, is the Watford midfield better with him in it? The Watford squad is almost certainly, without question, better with him in it. So, yep, there we go.
0: Yeah, I think just someone who's just who's just slightly younger in in their pomp a bit more would have made a difference to our midfield. but. You know, so like I say, the, the, the pressure and the the focus was all sort of on, seemed to be on Sissoko because Losage wasn't right and ready quick enough, um, and just will would have made a made a massive difference, or. Maybe not just Will, just a bit more Premier League experienced player might have been the thing, but you never know. Those things can be quite expensive. So looking back on all those 10 steps, the fans' expectations, the lack of defensive recruitment, the interruption of AFCON, Donny van der Beek's tackle in the 68th minute of Ismail Assar, the the run of hell in November and December, the continual mistakes of many, many players, the two appointments of short-term managers who didn't exactly get things going, The failure to get in the right characters, not getting Will Hughes a new contract and a slightly aged midfield. Jason, out of all those steps, which one do you think was the biggest mistake? The worst step that Watford have taken this season?
3: Oh, it's a toss up between two for me. I think that there's the short term manager approach. The whole bigger picture around that has been a bit messy, hasn't it? But you'd think with the right characters in as well... We did it we managed it before we managed it when we first came up we got the right players in we we did make a change with the manager and and we created a team that was hard to beat that was able to stay up and then we built from there if we'd have got that right then perhaps Cisco would have had more of a chance and we again might be in a position where We'd always said we were going to be in a relegation fight this season. We could still well have been. But with the right characters in, perhaps we could have kept our heads above the water and we could have stayed up and we could have gone from there.
0: Michael, for you, which one of those would have made the difference? Which one of those, if we'd got that step, we wouldn't be relegated at this point, at least. We would be at least looking at the last day, hopefully. And maybe even at this point, be, be safe and, and happy in the Premier League for another year. Which one do you think has, would, would have helped that one?
1: I think the fact that the managerial appointments and mistakes we've made, the fact that they they mirror so accurately, so weirdly, so eerily, the mistakes we made when we got relegated from the Premier League last time out, that's really difficult to to take. It shows or suggests that, that the mistakes haven't really been learned from and they haven't dealt with the pressure and the problems and the stress and the strains uh, of, a, of a relegation battle, they just haven't got their heads around it. I mean, we've talked a lot about the squad and and, and its shortcomings and, and the lack of character. I think is a is a massive one, but also these are decent players with decent experience. We have seen glimpses of it throughout the season, very very rarely, but we have got attacking threat. There are people who can play in midfield, and then and we've shown that we, when they really really put their minds to it, defensively they can be just about okay. It would have taken a lot of luck and some serious effort and more character than than, than than is is evidently there, but I think if you get the head coach right, you're in with a much much better chance. And to to get it so wrong, times three, again, is as a Watford supporter quite difficult to 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 watch. It's it's frustrating. It felt like last time we've we've sort of let it slip through our hands a little bit. To do it again is yeah, you know, it's deeply frustrating and we've seen that we've seen that amongst the, the the fan base and you just do think if they've got the head coach right, we'd be having a very different conversation today.
0: So that's it. There are 10 steps to relegation. You might have a different step. You might think some of these steps were were not the important ones. You might think that some of them were, as I said with the last one, they were leaps and they were the reasons why we are now relegated to the championship. This the podcast, why well, I want to do it now, we've still got a few games left this season. We've still got Everton in the week. We still can have some fun. We can still have a positivity. So let's get all this out of the way. So we've done it. We've cleared the air. We've cleared our heads. And hopefully hopefully Mike will never mention the game against Newcastle back in September (laughs) ever again (laughs) fingers crossed thank you very much Jason thank you and thank you Michael
1: I'm getting the date of that Newcastle game tattooed on my bicep John (laughs) so that I can uh, flex it in front of anyone who uh, who questions my knowledge which is pretty much everyone thanks very much that was quite cathartic actually it's quite it's quite nice to go through it and you know, we we say we're, we're we're employing hindsight, but of course we are, and that's that's our right as as football supporters. We get to look back and and cast judgment. And unfortunately, there's been far too many far too many things to talk about on this list. But I still love the fact you call them steps and leaps, as if they're these brilliant things <laughs> taking us taking us forward. It's absolutely absolutely. Magnificent. Steps go up as well as down, Michael. They do indeed, and we've we've taken one step down. Hopefully, we'll be uh, we'll be taking steps. In the right direction, very, very soon. Thanks for having me, lads.
0: Uh, new podcast, of course, in the midweek. Uh, catching up with Adam, but also, of course, uh, seeing what happens at Vicarage Road against Everton on Wednesday night. Come on, you and... on! You yourself... The Athletic.